0: Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today we continue our series in the Gospel of Matthew, looking at the temptations of Jesus. I would like to draw your attention to what happened just prior to this. In chapters 3, verses 3 to 17, we have the record of the baptism of Jesus by John, in which the relationship of the Father to the Son is clearly demonstrated to John and to Jesus. For John it was the affirmation that his mission was being fulfilled, namely, to prepare the way for the Messiah, and it had been made known to John that he would recognize the Messiah when he saw the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus in the form of a dove. For Jesus, it's the affirmation of his, re, of his relationship to the Father. When he heard the Father say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, Jesus knew who he was and that his relationship with the Father was clear and firm. And this brings us to chapter 4, verse 1, when we read that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted By the devil. Does this ring a bell with you? Often, when we have a high spiritual experience, we uh, are careless, proud, maybe arrogant, and we become vulnerable to Satan tempting us. What is happening here? James tells us in chapter 1, 13 to 14, when tempted no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted nor does he tempt anyone but each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your evil desires and enticed the Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil in the English language we own we have this word tempted and we use it in different ways for example I might say I'm tempted to have another piece of pie or we might say I'm tempted to file a fraudulent income tax return very different very different consequences but there is in the Greek Old Testament and the New Testament there is a word that is used uh, for this and it's a different word it's a word, "pirazzle. The correct translation of this word is test. It is used in the accounts of people who were tested by God. For instance, Abraham, to whom God had given the promise that Isaac would be blessed and his offspring would become a great nation. And God comes along and says, Take Isaac to a place I will show you and offer him on an altar there. Abraham obeyed and passed the test with glowing colors and God provided a ram to take Isaac's place. So Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. This is not a temptation coming from inner desires but a test coming from the outside. Why did Jesus need to be tested? Is it just to give us an example? Hebrews 2 17 to 18 tells us, therefore he had to make made like his brethren in every respect so that he might become a merciful faithful high priest in the service of God to make atonement for the sin of the people because he himself was tempted or tested he is able to help those who are tested it is certainly it is certainly that but it is also much more it is Satan attacking Jesus to prevent God's plan of salvation being carried out. further in Hebrews 414 f- to 15 we read, therefore, since we have a high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our witnesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So what is going on here? Is Jesus being tested just so that we may know and understand who he is and why he came? In John's Gospel we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. By coming to us in the flesh, God chose the most effective way of communicating with mankind and showing how great his love is. Satan is attacking God's plan at its very core. If Jesus had failed any one of these tests, God's plan for mankind and all creation would have been destroyed. So let us look at the temptations or the testings of Jesus. The account begins with Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. When Satan approaches Jesus, he finds him very vulnerable, hungry, and weakened. Satan always comes to us when we are vulnerable for any number of reasons. Frustrated because of what's happening at work? Worried because of finances being short of our needs and bills? Sickness? Is it at times like these that Satan comes and tempts us? Here, Satan the tempter comes to Jesus and says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. There are two parts to this test. The first one is the question, if you are the son of God, Jesus' identity as the son of God has just been affirmed at his baptism, and now Satan questions this. Are you really the son of God? If you are, you can do anything. So turn the stones into bread. Prove to me and to people that you are the son of God by turning these stones into bread. During his later ministry, when the scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus and asked for a heavenly sign to prove that he was the Messiah, he always refused. We have to come to Jesus in faith, believing his claims, and then he will turn and give us the assurance that he is the Son of God. Satan is, trying to, is saying to Jesus, if you turn these stones into bread, you can feed the whole world and instantly become the great social provider. You will be popular and they will make you king and you will not need to go to the cross to build your kingdom. It is the fallacy of all social programs. Namely, if we provide people's material needs, they will be truly happy and content. The history of communism in the Soviet Union clearly shows that that doesn't work. We were created by God to know him and only when we do know him will we have real joy and peace. In order to really live and thrive, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the true Word of God. Jesus responds by quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a reference to the time when Israel was in the wilderness, having been freed from the Egyptians and they were camped at a place where there was no water. And the people grumbled and said to Moses, why have you brought us here into this wilderness where we have no water? We were better off in Egypt where we had enough to eat and lots of water. Moses cried out to God and the Lord told him to take some elders, go to a rock and he should then strike the rock. When Moses did this, water came from the rock. How often do we find ourselves complaining and grumbling when something does not go our way? Should we not feed the poor and hungry? Absolutely we should. But we also need to feed them with the true bread that came down from heaven, namely Jesus Christ. So the second temptation. Satan took Jesus to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. This was also the highest point in Jerusalem, as the temple was built on the highest ground in the city. As a result, it would have been possible for people, not only in the temple courts to see Jesus, but also in the streets and the alleys of the city. That is where Satan took Jesus for the second temptation. Once again, Satan begins with, if you are the son of God. Jesus is again faced with this question as to who he really is. Did Jesus really doubt this? Satan goes on to quote scripture, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan is quoting from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. What is the temptation or the test here? Can you imagine the scene? The temple courts are full of people there to worship and bring sacrifices. Even the people in the streets and lanes can see what is happening. They can see the place where Jesus is and what a sensation it would have made if he had jumped and landed slowly without any harm. The people would have immediately made Jesus king and begun to drive the drive to push the Romans into the Mediterranean. What is the temptation here? Instant popularity and away to the kingdom and bypassing the cross. The easy political way. What is the lesson for us? Down through history, time and time again, when the church has sought power through political alignments rather than relying on the power and work of the Holy Spirit, we too seek respectability in our world rather than bear the cross and accept the persecution that goes with it. Remember, in Jesus' day, When you saw somebody carrying a cross, you know that they were going to die. And when Jesus asks us to carry the cross, we are to die to ourselves and to live to him. Too often we seek popularity and respectability instead of bearing the cross, the shame of the cross. Jesus asks us to come to die to ourselves and come alive to him. Peter Kreef, in his book Back to Virtue writes, When the world accepts the church, the church is no longer the church. Jesus said, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. In Romans 6, 2 4, Paul writes, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We should not be surprised when we are persecuted because Jesus told us that it would come if we truly live for him. In Luke 9, 2-3, Jesus said, Those who would be my disciples must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. This is a test that we have to face daily. It's not a one-time event, we, but a daily reality as we follow him. Satan began this test by quoting scripture, and Jesus responds by doing the same. Quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, Do not put the Lord to the test. This again refers to Exodus. The children of Israel grumbled and threatened to stone Moses we have already talked about that but Moses cried out to God and took and was told to take the elders and strike the rock and water would come in later in his life when Moses is facing the end he makes a statement that Jesus quotes here do not put the Lord to the test as you did at Massa how often do we put the Lord to the test by grumbling about the place that he has pla- where he has placed us? How often when we share a coffee break with friends, do we spend time complaining about people in power or about our pastors, not realizing that we are complaining about what God is doing for us and our congregation, that we are demonstrating our lack of faith in the Lord? God is testing us. He wants us to learn to trust him. And that brings us to the third temptation. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Notice, Satan does not begin by questioning Jesus' identity. He does not say if you are the Son of God. Jesus has passed that test twice, so there's no point in going there again. Instead, Satan goes straight to the test. He shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and offers them to Jesus, making him the ruler over all of them. Now the question arises, does Satan really have the authority over the world to give it to Jesus? In other places in scripture, Satan is referred to as the prince of the world, as the prince of darkness of this world. It is a referral to Satan's realm, which is the dark evil powers, that rule in the darkness, powers and principalities. Jesus responds by saying, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. What is this test about? As I already mentioned, Satan does not question Jesus' identity. That has clearly been answered. The test here, is for Jesus to take a shortcut to the establishment of the kingdom of God, the easy way, rather than the way of the cross. Just worship Satan and the kingdom will be here. No need to go the way of the cross. However, Jesus came to do the will of the Father and so refused to do what Satan asked, and Satan left him. But God's way is always the way of the cross. It is always the way of suffering, the way of being persecuted. Jesus promised the church that there would be persecution of some kind or another, and we should not be surprised when it happens. There is no question of if there will be persecution, but only when. In 1 Peter 2.20.21, we read, But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his footsteps. What is the problem for the church here? Is Satan really the ruler over the kingdoms of the world? In Romans, we are told to obey the the powers that be, as they are put there by God. But we are also told that Satan is the prince of darkness, the ruler of the world, not individual kingdoms, but its culture and practices do not follow King Jesus. The world is ruled by Satan, and too often the church has aligned itself with those worldly powers for the sake of being accepted and respectable. There have been times in the past when leaders in the church rode to battle in the armies of the world, often with so-called Christian nations against other Christian nations. They worshipped Satan for the wealth and power that came with it. Every, even today, churches are tempted to seek power through alignment with political powers. For example, what is happening in the United States where evangelical churches support Trump as Nathan so eloquently reminded us two Sundays ago. I remind you again of what Peter Kreeft wrote, when the world accepts the church, the church is no longer the church. Woe to you when all men speak well of use, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So with Jesus' final response, we too can say, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So in conclusion, what are some of the lessons that we can learn from this account? One, we have a high priest who is able to understand us when we are tempted, for he was tempted just like we are, but without sin. We need to remember daily that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are you feeding on God's word daily to nourish your soul and keep it growing? If you don't, then you have become a stagnant Christian, going through the motions but without the joy that Jesus wants us to have. Fathers or parents, are you taking time to lead your family in daily devotions, reading God's word to your children? For those of you doing shift works, that means mom and dad will share in this very important task. Are we as a church and individuals looking for acceptability and respectability in our community rather than taking up our cross daily and following Jesus? That does not mean we go about making enemies, but it does mean we do not shrink from showing our colors and sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. And finally, are we truly worshiping the Lord God and serving him rather than seeking political and economical power in the world? Finally, Jesus was sent into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. God does not tempt anyone. Satan was seeking to destroy God's plan of salvation. And Jesus came away from this time in the desert, victorious, and went on to the cross to die for our sins, to give us forgiveness, and he rose again to give us the hope of eternal life. So we are grateful to God and thankful that we have this record of Jesus' temptations to teach us how we should respond when we are tempted. God's blessing, grace, and peace.